So I'm actually really excited to talk to you about Sins of the Father because this is one of those episodes that come up from time to time. And I don't have a lot of prelude. What what did you think of it? I really like both of these episodes, actually. Um, it's another where we had a really good week. And I like that they're both kind of Picard episodes, because we haven't really had Picard episodes in a while. That's true. And I, I actually think that's kind of cool about the show, that it, you know, the, the ostensible main character of the show isn't always the main character. And... I don't know that it's it is they are giving a lot of concentration to the ensemble, but they but every so often you do want to see Picard because Picard is awesome. And these two episodes remind us why Picard is awesome. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's very different about The Next Generation as opposed to the original series is that Kirk was very obviously the main character. He was the hero of the show. And of course, you know, Spock as well. But but Kirk was sort of like the the focal point. He was the audience, uh, uh, you know, a a surrogate in a way. Uh, Picard is not. Uh, Picard is very much more distant from the show, I think, in a lot of ways. And we don't always get a sense of what Picard is is thinking or or, or knowing. Um, But I think in, in, in Sins of the Father, what's interesting about Picard's character is that He's very, very focused on one of his officers, and it has absolutely nothing to do with him. Yeah. To the point where he allows himself to get involved in Klingon politics. Now, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this episode. Um, it's, you can talk about Picard in the episode. You can talk about Klingons. You can talk about Worf. You can talk about his backstory. Where do you want to go with this? Because this is kind of where Klingons go in the series. And I don't want to talk a lot about it. But, you know, Ron Moore wrote this episode. Ron Moore has a hard-on for Klingons. Yeah. And I think this episode goes a long way towards that. He's codified a lot of Klingon society. And this is obviously within that. You know, any I would assume any Klingon episodes are... This is what Klingon culture is now. Yeah. And I don't necessarily I don't necessarily have a problem with Klingons. I, I don't they're, they're, Okay, let me put I don't it, find them very interesting. Let me put it this way because as I can see why to a Trekkie Klingons are really annoying and overdone. I I can also see as, you know, not really a Trekkie why people think the Klingons are cool. And I thought there was a lot of this episode that was really cool. Why? Why are the Klingons cool? I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're an, I don't know. It, it is nice to have a a different culture presented that is as well defined as this, and that does reoccur in a way. Like they're they're interesting for the same reason I find the Vulcans interesting or whatever. And now, yes, I like Vulcans much better than I like Klingons, but I like when the show goes into detail about what a kind of aliens is. I like aliens. I I think that's interesting. So the fact that we are seeing an alien planet and we are seeing alien customs and alien rituals and alien justice system and all of that, just the way they have stratified, it's, it's simple world building. Whenever Star Trek does world building, I like it. 
Yeah, and I think world building is something that, that Star Trek doesn't do all that well, or it doesn't do it often, I should say. I mean, when it does it, I think it does it well. Um, you know, if you go back to something like Amok Time, for example, yeah. and you got your first glimpse of a, a Vulcan and, and what their culture is like. And this is kind of another episode where we have a parallel to Amok Time. I mean, well, yeah, I think because is... I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, if you look at the, the, the main cast of this show, Worf is really the only alien that has a culture that is a main cast member everybody else is a human or data so i think that's right yeah that's right well there's there's yeah but she's half human so whatever and betazoids just never really get flushed out in any way whatsoever um which you know could be a problem i don't know but you know, if you look at it in terms of like the original series, you know, you had you had Spock and and his culture was fleshed out, and then Vulcans are very much not a part of the original or the next generation, and so Worf kind of functions in that role. And we've already seen glimpses of Klingon culture. We've seen it in uh, Heart of Glory, and we saw it in um, uh, A Matter of Honor yeah. and The Emissary, and now we're seeing it in in this episode. And this is kind of an episode which is able to do a lot of different things on many different levels. It's very much a third season episode. Yes, I could they could s- not have done this last season. No, they could not have done this episode last season because this is a character study for Picard. This is a character study for Worf. This is a backstory for Worf. This is a mystery episode. It's this a is, sequel episode. It's a sequel. Well, it kind of is. I mean, no. I mean, it's, it's an episode about Worf and Picard's relationship, and it's an episode about Klingon culture. So there, it's working on about five or six different levels, yeah. and it's able to satisfactorily handle all of them in a way it builds on all of those elements have been in previous episodes before but it does build on those in a way it's not just you know and that's one of the things you know yeah it's not directly a sequel episode they tell in two lines what the plot of you know enough of matter of honor that you what you need to know about it but it is one which is very which is the next step after that? I mean, there is a very, very loose arc in between those two episodes. I mean, what's this, the the brother character? He was in. He we've seen him before. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's kind of nice that he ends up having a different role. That Riker being on the Pak is a. Did I say that right? Did I do good Klingon? Uh, sh- sure. Yay! Um, <laughs> um, you know. I don't know. I I, I, I like that they're taking the set, you know, that, that this exchange program is still going on in the background of Starfleet. Like, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. It, I didn't expect that to be followed up. Well, I think it's interesting for two reasons. Number one is that the show has a memory yes. and the show is able to tell us things that happened in the past and make references to them and, and sort of build on them. Right. Yeah. And this is very much something that the original series didn't yeah. really do that much. And which, you know, we've talked about that a lot, you know? Yeah. The, the other thing is that it's a fake out. It's a complete fake oh, out. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I, the first time watching this episode. Oh, yeah. I thought it was you, going to be a, I thought it was going to be matter of honor, except the other way you have, you know, and, and you know, something the, ep, the the show could have done a very good episode. That was this Klingon commander on the Enterprise. And he learns, you know, that sometimes you need to be more fair to people. And, you know, in the emotional things and everyone on the Enterprise, they go through a crisis where they learn to be a little stronger and a little more Klingon, you know, and everybody gets through at the end and Worf gets there. You know, that's the episode you think they're setting up. And for the first five to ten minutes of the episode, that is the episode you're getting. And then suddenly he says, oh, by the way, I'm your brother. And, you know, father's a traitor. And then it becomes, you know... Then it becomes a completely different episode. Yeah, I, I like that. Start, this, this show is doing that a lot. The show does do that a lot. Um, 
usually, I mean, it does that a little earlier in this episode than it has been, but it's not uncommon for the show to be two-thirds about one thing and then there's a twist towards the end. Um, the show's getting really good at that. Yeah, and I don't necessarily want to want to overplay it. I mean, I don't think that that's something that should, the show should do a lot of. Because no, that could get... it hasn't come off gimmicky yet. No, it hasn't come off gimmicky yet. And I think, you know, if they started doing that every other episode, that would get kind of old. In the same way that, you know, in the mid-2000s, every single show had to have an episode that started in maybe a race for no reason whatsoever. There, there, there was the oh, every musical episode. <laughs> yeah, so end all episodes with a musical montage, et cetera, et cetera. These are sort of cliches. I think it's interesting yeah. that I don't, I don't think that this is something that the show does a lot of. So the fact that it's able to pull it off, I think, is really indicative yeah. of the fact that the show is a lot more comfortable with itself in the third season. It is a feeling of the bottom dropping out. Again, you think you have all of the, inf- you know, the, you think you have all the information that's giving you. And then suddenly, you know, the situation's a lot more complex. And that's, that's nice. That suddenly makes the stakes get much higher, you know. Again, that's another thing. This episode, this show has had done a lot of interesting things with stakes because most of them have been very personal to you know uh, whether a person you know ends the episode happy or not whether right. they have a relationship repaired or not you know those kind of things things which are very important to the main characters but here you know we have Worf's family's honor is at stake which is a very personal thing for him sure but there's also the caveat of he'll be executed if this doesn't go which is we're losing a main character, we're losing a Starfleet officer, all of that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't think the execution threat is really, I, there's no way they would have killed off Worf. I mean, that no. just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, but, but on the other hand, you could say, well, who would have thought they would have killed off Tasha Yar, right? But Yeah, of course. And, you know, again, it, it, it was, and for this episode, it wasn't so much a case of, oh my God, are they going to execute Worf or not? But how are they getting Worf out of this execution? And, right, and several options are given at well, you know the the magistrate the the judge who whatever he is um you know he essentially give, gives Worf the out you know says you know leave now and this didn't happen you know we're never going to talk about this again like he gives him the scot free option later um it, and he probably has that till the very end almost um, yeah and, you know if at any point Worf had decided to call this off it would have been called off. Um, well, what I what I like about the episode is that it really sets up something interesting, which is that Worf is kind of distrusted by his own people, but he has a very, very strong and trusting relationship with Picard. And yeah. so it's almost this contrast where, you know, Picard is there for Worf and Picard is, is, is able to act as his whatever. Chariche? Yeah, there you go. Um, to, oh, my God. Can I learn Klingon? Sh- sure. Learn Klingon. Have, <laughs> have a good time with that. Thank you. Uh and, and, you know, to the point where Picard is able to recite the whole lines yeah, of, yeah, of, the, yeah. of the thing. And, you know, Picard is obviously someone who studies Klingon culture and, and has, you know, it's interesting because Worf has or Picard's I, I, respect. But I think more importantly, Picard has Worf's respect. Yes. And that's something that I think is very difficult for Worf to give his, his respect. Well, you um, know, here's the thing. I think Worf respects most almost everybody who is the main a main cast member on this show, sure, because he's you know he respects Riker, he respects you know Data, he respects. I think he even to a degree respects Wesley. You know what I mean? Like he has because he has time and time again seen all of these people at their best moments in crises. You know, again he 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 respects the fact that you know he knows that Doctor Crusher. The second there's an emergency, she and her team are ready. You know, yeah. he respects that. You know, uh, 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 um. Deanna Troy doesn't take shit from people and, you know, is 
you know, yes, she's about emotions, but she's a very tough person, you know, as well. Like, that. that's... And so it's interesting that he has gone into... Worf is a little more about balance, I think. I see him as a character. He does take the... He, his struggle is to take the best parts of his Klingon heritage, which is their strength and their tenacity and their honor and their discipline and all of those things, and... He sees the best of what, you know, humans have, which is, you know, their loyalty to each other, their compassion, their, 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 their culture, the way they, you know, they group together, all of those things, you know, and the way it's kind of more supportive than Klingon culture tends to be. And he tries to bring those two together. Yeah, but I think there's a tension there because I think Worf doesn't well, they know to what degree Klingon society and the sort of Klingon high command is actually very sick. In a way, well, because this episode makes it very clear this whole society is corrupt. Yeah, the whole society is corrupt, and you know, I, I kind of like the fact that the episode is is a little bit incomprehensible in that regard because there's a lot of words flying around. Yeah, and, you know, you've got this character Duras who brings the charges. Who's I think it's supposed to imply that his father actually was the one who yeah. So the sense gave, I got gave the that codes to the Romulans. He's and, basically the you know he he's you know one of those high powered senators who's been in. You know, the Senate for years and years and years, and he and half the Senate is on the take right now. And this was, right. you know, this was the, the, the attack on um, Kittimer. The, the attack on Kittimer was probably small potatoes compared to what some of the senators have done. And, you know, if Worf were to make a serious point and bring this to the people and start, you know, this investigation into this, I'm sure that tens of thousands of other acts of corruption would be... I mean, the, the, he says that it would lead to a civil war, because that is what would happen. If, if it turned out that half of the U.S. Senate was, you know, you know, doing things, to, you know, be doing traitorous activities, that would be a massive problem, whether they're doing it or... You know what I mean. Yes. I'm but, making a face. Yes, I know you're making a face. Um, no, yeah, no, I agree with that, but I think it's really, it's really intriguing because... The episode leads you to the point, but it doesn't tell you, which is that Worf is able to to say, and they don't explain exactly what discommendation means, which I also like. Yeah, and I like the way that the episode ends. It just oh kind my of god, goes, yeah. all right, well this is it. You know, there's no there's no happy ending. There's no button on this. Worf is now essentially He's excommunicated, excommunicated yeah. from the Klingon Empire. It was but, yeah. The, the, I liked that it didn't end with they're back on the bridge and they somebody finds a word of comfort for him, like because there is no comfort. Yeah, I mean, Worf, Worf is a Worf is a person who values his culture because he is the proverbial fish out of water. He is the person who is more Klingon than the Klingons that live on the Klingon homeworld. Well, that's it because he has he a... is the convert. He's you know he's the fanatic convert to Klingon culture. He learned it from. You know, he probably he didn't grow up with Klingons. He probably yeah. learned it from books. He learned it from studying. You know, he knows everything inside out. He probably you know has memorized the Book of Kalas. This is something that will come up later. I'm now a nerd. Um, and but the fact of the matter is, if you look at what he does in this episode, he's able to realize that he's by by accepting discommodation and by accepting the fact you know because yeah. Duras and this powerful whatever he is you know would bring down the empire for some ill ill defined reason which isn't really explained all that well but not, doesn't yeah. really need to be because you know Picard is kind of our stand in in this episode and yeah. Picard says I don't pretend to understand all the nuances of of Klingon uh, you know, politics it's enough that the three of them do you know Worf 
the judge and the other guy all do seem to agree that if the secret gets out, it's going to be bad. Like, the fact that the three of them agree on the consequences, good or ill, is... And, and also, let's not forget that, that you know, last week we talked about yesterday's Enterprise, and, you know... Yes, that, that was, was my question. That was, you know, Narenda 3, which the Romulans were attacking the Klingons, and, and, and so the Enterprise was... C was able to... Stop the Romulans from from you know killing all the Klingons. So on a time frame level, that and Kittimer must have been within a couple of years of each other, right? Uh, maybe like Kittimer was twenty two years ago, and Worf is supposed to no Narendra was was twenty two years ago. Um, Kittimer, I think. Oh yeah, Worf, yeah. Worf is supposed to be maybe like thirty or thirty five. Yes. I'm not exactly sure. So but if he was, you're looking at probably ten or fifteen years there. So obviously there was some sort of the, the Romulans yeah. were doing something, in, you know, in, you know, twenty this to thirty was part, years yeah, ago. This was part of that same series of Romulan actions. If there was a war against the Romulans, Kittimer and Narenda Three were part of the same one. Exactly. And if you really want to geek out into Star Trek, rem- I do. No. Remember all the way back to the third season, I think of Enterprise. Uh, sorry, not of Enterprise. Oh my God, jeez, no, we're not going to be there for a while. Uh, the third season of the original series, I think, where they they revealed uh, that the Klingons were using ships of Romulan design. Yeah. Uh, because there was, well, you know, the real reason was that they didn't have a budget to build more than one Klingon ship, but <laughs> that has put into the canon that the Romulans and the Klingons had some sort of alliance in the time of the original series. W- what happened? We don't know. And so it was breaking down by this point and the Romulans were openly attacking Klingons, you know, 50, 50 or 60 years later. Ooh, we can make a fan um, theory that after the events of Star Trek six, that pissed off the Romulans and then they started turning around. Sure. It could be. Yeah. Um, but I think the real point here is that Worf is able to realize that this would be very bad for the empire. Yeah. Puts this aside and, and accepts his discommodation. And at the same time, this episode keeps over and over again, it keeps pointing out Picard is weak. The the Federation is weak. What is he doing here? He's not a Klingon. He has no honor. But Worf is able to see that the real strength of the Federation and the real strength of the members of the Federation, that this is a society that is open, that is working. It is completely different from the Klingon Empire, but it's more functional than the Klingon Empire. Well, it's not corrupt. Here's the thing. like, it, you, Well, you talk about Worf learned to be a Klingon from books, well, they aren't going to put the corruption in the book. I mean, he's read Klingon history. He's read the sanitized version, probably, of everything. And yeah, I'm getting the sense from this episode that behind the scenes in Klingon politics is a ton of backstabbing and wheeling and dealing and, you know, power struggles, and all of which would be kind of hidden. So Worf comes into this almost naive in a way. He know what he thinks about the Klingon Empire— is what the Klingon Empire says about itself. About, yeah, yeah. You know, he thinks of all the positive things about the Klingon Empire, and he is willing to die for those, and he does accept discommodation for those ideals. Um, and yet, uh, every day on on, on, Klingo, on Klingonia, everything is— Kronos. On Kronos. On Kronos, everything is just a bunch of corruption. I think it's—but the feder, on the Federation, meanwhile— they they aren't corrupt, and I think that's the the episode makes it clear that the Federation is better because it does not have that corruption, and because it generally does. Usually, when corruption is found out within the Federation, it's fixed. So far, yeah, we've seen yeah. that, and I know you talk about how Deep Space Nine, you know, goes into that, you know, and, and deals with the that, Federation. But... The Federation is a society and a government which really is. Uh, 
of the people and yeah and any it, it, for for whatever you know it, however it works you know whatever way they were able to construct this government yeah um it's very 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 open transparent well functioning any people who are bad are considered to be individuals who have been gone bad in some way exactly right whereas i think what you really see with the klingon empire in this episode is you see a society which is really at loose ends. I mean, think back to Heart of Glory, right? The very first appearance of Klingons other than Worf in this series, where they're talking about, we're at peace, we don't know what to do, uh, we don't like it, and it's kind of been threaded throughout the first, you know, two and a half seasons of the show that something is wrong with the Klingon Empire. And now yeah. we're starting to see exactly how bad it is. They can't fight other people, so they're fighting amongst they, themselves. They don't have something in to effect. unite against. Yeah, they're yeah. used to uniting in a conquering way or in a war way. But yeah, that they don't know what to do with themselves, <laughs> basically. And all all of their talk of honor and all of their talk of 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 being upright is basically. A lie. It's mafia codes, you know what I mean? It's a code of conduct, but it's not a moral code in a way. Yeah, and and Worf really, I think, I think would be saddened by that. You know, we yeah. ha- we haven't seen what the implications of this episode are yet, if there are any. Um, but yeah, it impli- it leaves it open for you know a third episode, you know, in this arc, kind of because he, you know, he does say to the brother, you know, you've got to work on, you know. It, it very much there is another episode, you know, implied by this where the brother comes in. Oh, I found more evidence for dad. You know, let's go. Um, yeah, yeah. And I would not be surprised if they did that. But well, let's talk about Picard because we haven't talked yeah. about Picard much, and I think in a lot of ways this is a Picard episode. Picard gets to be a badass. Yeah, we get I, in both of these episodes. We kind of again we get to see why Picard's the captain. We get to see him. We know that he's a great strategist. We know that he's earned the respect of everybody. You know, we know everyone loves Picard. We love Picard. But, yeah, Picard can also kick ass. He, You know, we, we talk about whether or not Starfleet is military or not all the time. Um, But he does have at least military training. Yeah, Picard. absolutely. And, you know, again, he gets so few opportunities to use it. It's really cool to see him hold his own against two Klingons, you know. For a few minutes, longer than a real, an actual Klingon did. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, really the interesting thing about that is, you know, Picard is able to set aside his own uh, 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 his own command, really, to, to be the Chadich to, to work. Yeah. But when they're in that room and, you know, they're talking about all of these things and then suddenly he's like, no, I'm talking as the captain of the fucking Enterprise. Yeah. Like, you have a problem with me now. Like, yeah, And so he's and, able and to switch between the two so easily that it's almost it's almost easy to miss. I loved that moment because that was kind of, you know, the, the, the Klingon judge basically says, like, if you do that, then, you know, the Federation and the Klingons have a problem. Like, if you, you know, essentially what they're saying, like, is if you, you know, because... Picard could zap, you know, Picard could war- teleport him and Worf out of there at any time. Yeah. And they could have gone there and they could have just enterprised away and, it, you know, so easily. And, again, the, the judge has has given that option the entire time. At this point, there is no – that option does not exist anymore. Yeah. And, yes, if he's doing that, he is essentially – going beyond the Federation's jurisdiction. That is kind of an act of war. That is going to be at least a very major, 
but 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 I think that's Picard saying that no, I do speak for the Federation when I say the Federation does not w- would not countenance this act, this corruption. Yeah. And you know, I can't act for the Federation and accept this corruption. And the Feder- this is worth going to war against to root out this corruption if that's what it takes. And also it's it seems to me and 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 this is just kind of my own, yeah. you know, personal take on this, but that the Klingons and the Federation are allies, but but I don't know that the Klingon Empire really respects the Federation. Like they they they're able well, to form an alliance with them, but I don't know that they're fully they I don't know that they fully appreciate the strengths of the Federation, and I don't know that they fully appreciate them as enemies either. Well, here's the thing: I don't think the 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 Klingons. And it's less that they're allies, and it's more that they've agreed to not be enemies right now. You know, I I, I don't think the Federation. You know, because what do really either of them get from each other? Well, I would probably easier trade, probably you know things like that. But at the end of the day, I really almost get the sense it's less we're allied because we think that this is going to because of our respect or because we think something mutual we can get out of this, but more just a case of. It's not really worth this fighting, so we're just getting, we're going to agree that this you know we're not at war anymore. I think that you could probably make that argument for the Klingons. I don't know that you can make that argument and for the co- Federation. And of course, the Federation is does see the good in everybody, but yeah, I think you know. But but really, what I think is is kind of the 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 kernel there is that you see that on the micro level with the way that they're very. Not exactly dismissive of Picard, but but almost dismissive of him. And then at the very end of the episode, when he throws his weight around, they're able to, I think, realize that they're in over their head in some ways. And that eventually this is going to come out. And in the same way that the Federation is always going to come out on top. Well, that's, that's actually kind of interesting because in a way, Worf and his brother have the same... You know, kind of really, he needles Worf, he needles Worf, he needles Worf. Finally, Worf comes in, and he, he Worf speaks politely, and then they, you know, start yelling at each other and fighting and all. And that's when he finally respects him and comes out as his brother. Yeah. Um, In general, Klingons like to be—Klingons are a lot more surface in a way in that they— they're going to show you exactly how tough they are right from the get-go. They kind—you get the sense that the, the, the Klingons want— both the Klingons and the Federation want to end fights before their start. The Klingons do that by intimidating you and saying, like, look, this fight is going to end really bad for you, and so um, don't even bother starting. The Federation acts much more politely for a long time because they figure we'll end a fight by becoming friends with each other. But they still, probably they're equally tough. It's that the Klingons see that, see the initial friendliness, see it as a sign of weakness, and underestimate that. In the same way, though, that I think you could argue that the Klingon insistence on being so upfront with their power and strength is masking a fundamental weakness of their person. That, yeah, that could be too. You know, and 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 the fact of the matter is, the Klingons aren't as powerful as they were a hundred years ago. Yeah. So something is is not exactly going well there. Yeah, and certainly Star Trek in general believes that the Federation has the right idea about this. So yes, they're... But at the same time, yeah, they they have a lot more to... 
I don't know. The Federation is get is gaining in power where the Klingon Empire is losing power, and that is not incidental to their methods. Yeah, I would I would agree with that because the Federation has made a lot of actual allies. Well, I'll give this one nine chadiches. Nine chadiches. Okay, I'll give it eight and a half. All right. Well, let's move on to allegiance. So I was really afraid that this was going to be another time squared. Two Picards is always makes me a little nervous. Two of anything is a bad problem, but this is one of the few doppelganger episodes that I liked because it's not really number one. It's not based at all on which one is the real one. I mean, once they have two in the same room, everyone you know kind of knows that. At the same time, I thought the premise of everything was interesting. I liked. In a way, they kind of split the story into the A and the B plot of Picard in this prison and what he's doing, and then, you know, fake Picard and what he's doing. And both of them were interesting. In a way, though, I think this episode doesn't really have an A and a B plot because both are about Picard and both are about how he commands and why he's an effective captain. And 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 how that can be exploited very easily. In what sense? In in the false Picard gets as far as he does because everybody has absolute unwavering faith in him. In other words, you know, Picard's able to say, you know, look, just trust me on this one. I'm not giving you all the information, but every other time I give you the information. So if, you know, if I'm saying, you know, just trust me on this one, you know, and Riker immediately says, you know, yes, you've done that. You know, we, we've seen once or twice you know, in, in the one where there was the conspiracy, was that the one? Yes. In conspiracy, basically the same exact situation happens. Um, and, w- and it's implied that every so often there are these secret messages from the Federation that really only the captain has the privilege to know. Because the captain is so open with his crew at other times, the times that he's not, everyone figures he has a really good reason for this. Um, when he's talking to, you know, tr- you know, ev- ev- all of the crew members agree that in and of itself, he's not doing anything that out of the ordinary. And that's that's really how he managed to, to get so far. If he was a crew he was a captain that nobody really did trust, the second he says, Oh, I'm gonna go, he, they would have mutinied immediately. I wonder about that though, because I don't think that Starfleet is the kind of organization that, you know, if the captain does something a little out of the ordinary, that they're suddenly going to have a mutiny. No, no. I I think that's a bit of a facile reading. No. But... uh, I'm being... I'm exaggerating, of course, but they they would have gotten suspicious a lot quicker, at least. I don't know. I think they got suspicious fairly quickly. I mean... this is a good crew. Aside from the fact that he changed their orders and and sent them off on another mission, okay, that in in, and of itself is not that unusual. That has happened before, as you point out. Uh, they really notice uh, personality differences. That's what really throws them off. It's not his his command in the sense of I am giving you orders and you are going to follow them. It's the sense of the kind of person that he is. The fact that he doesn't show up at the poker games. He's not the kind of guy that's going to go to tent forward and start a song. I mean, that is really what throws them off the their their that's game. That's the moment when they all and yeah. you know that in and of itself is interesting because if you compare that to the way Picard is handling the situation in the jail, um, that obviously is Picard. There's no question of which yes. Picard is actually the Picard, right? And it's also an episode which really goes a long way towards 
explaining, I think, why Picard is such an effective captain. I don't know that we needed an episode to tell us why Picard is an effective captain because we, you know, we we watched the show, yeah. but I I appreciate that they made the attempt, I guess. This was a good filler episode, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say that this is one of my favorite episodes and I I kind of don't really see much of a point to it really, but I think in the sense that it is a filler episode and it is kind of a just a, you know, we need to make an episode episode. It's a good one. Yeah. And you know, they certainly have been doing this in the past where they come up with things that are just awful, right? Uh, yeah, there weren't any boring bits to this episode. No, were... no, no, not at all. And I think, you know, in terms of Picard's character development, I think it's a very important episode because I think, it, you know, at the end of the episode, you can kind of see Riker and Picard having a moment. You know, I, this doesn't happen, but I'm just sort of speculating where Riker's like, it's how, you know, it's good to have you back and all the kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, because I think that there is a sense that everything was a little off when Picard was, was not actually himself. Right. And that he is the glue that holds the ship together, even though it's, it's not strong glue. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if maybe if fake Picard had tried a little less hard, he would have been caught. And that may be part of it too. You know what I mean? Like if he hadn't, you know, maybe if he didn't have the date with Troy with, with, with Crusher, she wouldn't have said, oh, well, things were, you know, he had this date with, you know what I mean? Like they, when they, when they're all meeting and they all like are kind of giving out their evidence in a way, like they pretty much do say like, yes, any of these things in and of themselves would have been weird, but not completely weird. In isolation, they're not yeah, that important. There may, you know, maybe Picard would go at one point to the poker game and call Troy because he really needed to talk to her about something. That's not beyond the pale. Maybe Picard would decide that, you know, something, you know, Crusher is back and, you know, it is kind of a down, you know, let's have dinner together and let's actually deal with the elephant in the room. You know, that's not impossible. Nothing that he's done is impossible. Everything he did is improbable. Except for the drinking game or the drinking song. I think that and, was I probably... say, that, that's the first moment that everybody realizes like, okay, this is, that's, that's the last straw. Like, and I do, I also especially appreciated the one table of random extras yes! that knew the words and was really into it. I, I like, figured they had just graduated and they were frat boys. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how Jordy doesn't know the words at all. Oh, like, Jordy and Warford just like, right, right, right. Right. <laughs> Ails for everybody. Like what? That, no, you, isn't it free? If there's no money involved, <laughs> it's nobody. What? Okay. Uh, yeah, Picard doesn't just hang out and ten. Or Picard doesn't just hang out and no. ten forward. This is all very strange. And I think that's the point. Is that you know it's fun. Like it's fun to see Patrick Stewart do this stuff. He's a very good actor, and he he very effectively, I think, plays the doppelganger Picard just a little bit off. You know, he's, he's not, not, playing... not in a way that he's twirling a mustache. I mean, you can certainly see, you know, can, scale of one to one to fake data. Well, that's what I was about you know, to say. Data lore. He's maybe about a three ish on the scale of weird, you know, when he was, when Patrick when, Stewart's a better actor than of course. Brent Spiner. Yes. But at the same time, it's more effective, you know, I, and I think that's the point of the episode that they are trying to, literally fool them into thinking it really is Picard. Yeah, I think so. In a way that when the scientist possessed data, he wasn't really interested in keeping the mask for that long. That's true, and that's a good point, because once the real Picard figures out what's going on, it, it, it does make sense why they took him. Because yes. if they want to study command and they want to study why people 
uh, let others order them around. Yeah, certainly you can do that in a, in a laboratory setting as they do. But at the same time, the doppelganger Picard is also part of the experiment yes. because they're they're able to sort of uh, uh, the Enterprise is also part of their laboratory. Well, in you a could way. see them taking like it, it's almost as if they have a record of Picard's normal interactions with everybody, and they're just changing a variable. You know, uh, they change too many variables, maybe. But you know, okay, Picard never goes to t- you know to ten forward. Let's see what happens when he goes to ten forward. Picard doesn't do this. Well, let's see what happens when he does something out of the ordinary, you know. Almost to the point where you can kind of imagine that, you know, perhaps the aliens were were pushing the Picard doppelganger to do more and more yeah. odd things to see exactly how far this was going to go. Probably. Right? Because, the, you know, if you look at it and say, okay, well, the, the real Picard we're going to study, uh, how he takes command, how he commands people, why people follow him. The doppelganger Picard... We're going to do that, but we're going to do it in a different way, which is that we are going to make him do odder and odder things yeah, to see exactly what, what's the breaking what's point. What's the line? Yeah. Yeah. What, what is the line? Well, apparently it's singing. Well, I think the, the line is really the fact that the Picard doppelganger wanted to destroy the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what happened. But no, uh, yeah. that's the moment where all the they're all And you have to like, wonder, oh, were okay. they going to, what were they going to do? Were they going to stop it before anybody seriously got hurt? Or would they have let the Enterprise get destroyed? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. And we don't know enough about those aliens to really know, I think. You get, uh, you wonder if they're collectivist, whether they would, you know, like the, you know, the Borg wouldn't care about losing a member or two for science. Would would they? Yeah, because they do say that they're all identical and they're a telepathically linked species. So in a sense, they are Kind of like the Borg, I guess. Yeah. So maybe they don't care if one of them is missing. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have advanced technology. Picard says that they now know how to capture them, which doesn't seem to be the case, but uh, okay. Yeah, and I don't know why they didn't just, like, swarm their, the, the Enterprise with, like, five billion others or why, they, you know, I don't know, to get them back, but... Say that again. Sorry. Well, why they what, when they had captured the two, like why they could, you know, they didn't have others just swarming the ship or anything like that. If they're having this panic reaction, maybe there's. It seems really within their. Maybe there's only three of them. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it's a race of three. Um, what what did you make of the the capture the capture scenes though? Because on one sense, the very beginning of them, you're not really sure what's happening or where it's going to go. Yeah. And once they go further and further along, I think the shape of what they're trying to do comes out. Yeah, it's a no-exit type of scenario. We have four characters, and we're going to see, you know, we're going to clash them up against each other and see what happens there. And obviously it turns out there's really only three characters in a way, but um, you do have all these different lifestyles bumping up against each other and seeing which one is going to be the most effective. And it turns out the one that's, trying to get everybody to cooperate and trust each other and be open and honest turns out to be the right one. And maybe that's the theme of this episode. It's another kind of advertisement for the... Both of these, in a way, are advertisements for the Federation, but this is seeing it in a less... in a less politically dangerous situation as the previous episode. But this is basically saying, look, the only way... The way that they figure out who the real Picard is is because Picard has always been very trusting and honest and open and they got have gotten to know him very well and they figure it out quickly. The reason, you know, they you know, they get these aliens to finally reveal their hand is because Picard has been 
influencing everybody to trust each other and to not give in to their, you know, normal feelings, which would, you know, again, if the if the Gorn, because I don't really know what his real race was, had been able to got in his way, they would have been killing each other. If the if the blue if the you know the guy in the hood had been able to get his way, they would have been just sitting there or just waiting with their hands folded till something happened. Right. Picard's the one who's saying, No, we've got to actually do something and we've got to do something together. Yeah, and I think you kind of I mean it's it's even stronger than that, I think, because you know, you look at Picard and you say, Okay, well here's a man who was able to command people that have all gone to Starfleet Academy and all buy into the the the, the rank structure and all buy into the mission. Oh yeah. Um but at the same time, Picard is also able to bring people together, command people that are very different, that are not on board with what he wants to do, and frankly don't like each other. And I think that's maybe the more important point. Yeah. Well, you know, it, Picard earned his thing. He, he's not the captain just because he's been in this situation for so long and because, you know, it, he's not just relying on the chain of command and the bureaucratic structure of his organization to get his power. His power comes from himself. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And and what Picard is revealed to be in this episode is someone who knows that, I think, as well. Yeah, and it, it, maybe it is. Where does power come from? You know, that, that, could, that is one of the themes of the series, in a way. Where does power come from? And is it from, you know, military strength? Is it from charisma? Is it from trust? Is it from... You know, cooperation? Is it from intellect? I mean, it kind of implies that it's all of those things working in concert. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take, I'm going to disagree with myself. Uh, this is a first for Truck About, I think, but okay, let's, yeah, let's, no, try, really let's you try it out. Yeah, with me. <laughs> we'll try it out and see how it goes. Um, you know, earlier I said I didn't really know that we needed an episode that, that showed us why Picard was able to command people, but, but maybe we do. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we don't really... I think at this point in the series, we know that Picard is capable and Picard trusts his crew and his crew trusts him. But but and we also have glimpses of his personality. Uh, but we don't I don't think we know him as a character as much as we knew Kirk as a character by this point in his own series, for example. And I think Kirk is. No, we couldn't. We can't really tell any uh, Picard had a mother at one point. Right, Picard had a mother. He likes Earl Grey tea and archaeology. And, and archaeology. It's yeah, we I know mean, like a handful of like little facts about him. Right, but we don't have that much information about him as a person. Contrast that with Kirk, of course, because Kirk is a much more effusive person. Yeah. He's a much more outgoing person than Picard. He's much more hands-on. Uh, Picard delegates a lot more. Picard is a lot more standoffish. Uh, Picard is is cooler than Kirk. And not, not cooler in the sense that, you know, hey, he's rad or whatever. I don't know. What, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm like old. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I sound like. I don't even know what kids say these days I don't know when they either. like something. Apparently Lenny means something now. What do you mean Lenny? Like Lenny. Like you call something Lenny. Apparently that's bad or good. I don't know. That's what I heard. That's, what? That's what middle school kids are saying now. Apparently. I don't, I don't, I don't like middle school kids. Why are you talking to middle school kids? Because they're on the Enterprise D. We have to deal with this. <sighs> Kirk is someone that we understand and know. Yeah. We don't know Picard. And so this episode really goes a long way towards explaining exactly why the crew of the Enterprise respects him. And maybe it's even better that they don't really know Picard on a personal level, that they don't hang out with him. You know, you get the sense from the original series that everyone on the Enterprise has had a beer with Kirk and likes Kirk. 
I don't know that people like Picard. Well, they're treating you know it's funny because I he's know almost like the the he's almost like the the monarch of the ship in well, some ways. I mean, the, he's treated like a little like a rock star in this episode, like yeah. in the untouchable sense. Like he's when he shows up at the poker game, that is about as shocking to them. As if, you know, the Queen of England showed up yeah. in this room right now. Yeah. Hello, may I join the check about... No, I don't know if that's a Queen accent. Sure, why not? Um, No, I, I mean, when he goes into Ted Forward, like, you hear one guy, like, scream, like, Hey, Captain Picard! You know? <laughs> I love that he waves. Yes! Kind of like, Hello, everybody, I am the captain. Suddenly it became cheers, but, um, <laughs> you know... He yeah he doesn't do this he does keep them aside and in a way he I mean this show has gone into that before about how you know you know people feel inspired to do their best around Picard because they always see they don't really see Picard as I want to say human in the sense that he doesn't present his weaknesses he doesn't present his vulnerabilities yeah yeah he does a little bit to Riker and a lot to Troy. And that's about it. And in a way that his part of his style is, I, you know, I'm not I'm doing all of this and, you know, you can do this, too. And, you know, we don't have to have, you know, people don't want to show weakness to Picard because they don't want to fail him because he's that in a way. I mean, Picard is cool in the sense of rad, you know, and everybody does think that he's the captain of the sexiest starship in Starfleet right now. He's Aaron's his position, everybody's I I mean the, the 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 cadet, you know, isn't a real cadet, but that said, you know If it, she was a real maybe cadet maybe a fourth year student would have studied I mean, doesn't isn't there a thing called the Picard maneuver in the yeah. world? Like Picard is a very famous starship captain. So being on that sh- the people who are on that ship know exactly who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished in his career and People are a little in awe of him. Yeah, I think there's a degree to which, you know, the show hasn't ever really gone into this. But I think in in, in some ways, Picard's Kirk years were during the Stargazer. Yeah. And people didn't know who he was then. And so what we're seeing now is, you know, Kirk in the original series was making his name for himself at that yeah, time. Yeah, actually. But Picard's already made his name. And so, you know, the Enterprise, the original Enterprise was not the flagship of, of Starfleet. No. It was just one ship out of many. Kirk was just one captain out of many. He was making a name for himself, doing the best that he could. And of in course, the movies, he, yeah, we see that he's become that legend. Yes, exactly. Yes, that that that's kind of what the 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 TNG era of the movies is, right? Where yeah. where Kirk is sort of this larger than life figure. Whereas you know, in the in the next generation, Picard is already at that level, and yeah. so. You know, what What was Picard like when he was commanding the Stargazer? I think he may have been different. Um, certainly, I think he would have been uh, 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 warmer and perhaps hung out with his crew more. Yeah. Uh, to the point where when he's put into a position where he has to interact with his crew on a personal level, he's even maybe a little uncomfortable at oh, this yeah. point. You know, um, I don't get the sense that he's ever really someone who hangs out with any of them. I don't think he, you know, he obviously he doesn't go to the poker games. I, he doesn't go to 10 forward. Um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is the leisure activities that we see Picard engaged in, in the show so far, what is he doing? He's painting, he's reading in the his very quarters. beginning of this episode. He is reading it, 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 on, on the couch. 
Right. That's what he does in his off time. Yeah. Yeah. So so he is a man who very much doesn't have any friends on the Enterprise. Yeah. And he, I. But I don't think we're supposed to take that as a bad thing. No, I think he's one of those people who believes in a kind of a work life separation, in a way. Like he 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 doesn't believe that it's in a way appropriate to live this life the entire time and that one should detach from it maybe at times to contemplate. Yeah, yeah. He's a much more contemplative person than Kirk is. You get the sense that every time Picard finishes a mission, every time every time there's an episode, you get the sense that that evening he just kind of took the night off and just spent the time in his quarters just making his report and thinking about about what happened. I mean, even to the point where little things like, you know, Picard has a ready room, whereas Kirk did not, you know, Picard has a place where he can go to be alone with his thoughts when he needs to. Um, It's just, it's, it's, it's really, this episode, I think in particular Mm -hmm. is really, is really selling the idea of Picard as a very different type of captain than the one that we came into with in, you know, in the original series. And that, the show is very different, and I think the show is realizing that at this point. You know, Picard was never the kind of Kirk character in this show, of course. You know, that that's kind yeah. of Riker's role. But the show is finally interested, I think, in looking at that and seeing what the implications of that are. And I'm, I wonder, in a way, then, if Picard does see... You know, Picard does see a lot of himself in Riker, obviously, and, you know, the two of them work well together because they do have a similar values and all of that. You kind of wonder if maybe Picard is a little aloof in a way to train Riker for what he needs, how he needs to be when he's captain. Do you know what I mean? Like, I... I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Riker it's... is always going to be a more effusive person than Picard is. Sure. That's always going to be the problem, but, you know, that not problem. That's always going to be who he is. At the same time, I think Picard does probably think that a little more detachment might be helpful when Riker is captain he's not going to be able to just go and flirt with random crew members like he does now I don't know about that okay well maybe you will enjoy being on a ship (laughs) what would you give this one I would give this one seven jelly pucks all right I will give it eight and a half well, next week, we are talking about Captain's Holiday, ah. another Picard episode, had a good long string of Picard episodes, and Tin Man. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>